This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Pony Stampede podcast. I am your host, Jordan Hoffeditz, to discuss the tough loss to TCU on Saturday afternoon. Um, was going to do something quick right after the game. Um, kind of felt like I needed to digest the game a little bit uh, to avoid maybe some overreaction or even possibly some underreaction to it. Um, I know uh, everything online, Twitter, message boards, everything uh, has been all over the place following that game. Um, I think some of that is certainly under. I think all of it is certainly understood uh, from a fan base that certainly uh, felt like a lot of things were heading in the right direction. And I think Saturday was maybe a tap back to reality of where things still currently are. Um, I saw a really good post that pointed out the fact that uh, while things are going better for SMU and things are headed in the right direction, TCU still had an 11-year head start on these things. They've been competing in the Big 12 for over a decade. They've been doing things, whether it's having the money, whether it's recruiting at a Power 5 level uh, for a long time. And even though SMU has been kind of pushing that envelope a little bit uh, the last couple of years, the last handful of years, uh, that's still a pretty big gap to overcome uh, right off the bat. Um, That being said, I do think there were a lot of things that were frustrating about Saturday's game. Um, I think the offense was frustrating. Again, so many good things. That first opening drive of the game, they are just marching down the field. They're converting uh, a couple third downs during it. Um, I think you look at what that drive was, and you know they come out, they win the toss, they want the ball. Um, I really like uh, that in this kind of situation to – to go out, you know, you get uh, Preston rushes, Kamar rushes, first down. You know, you've got Kamar with a seven-yard run on third and three. You've got, uh, you know, a really nice 21-yard pass to Jordan Hudson on a second and seven to keep the chains moving. You get uh, Preston then with a uh, third and four with a five-yard run to get you first and ten at the 14, and you're feeling really good about things. Um, and then, you know, things kind of start to turn. Uh, that first down play, you thought you had a big play pass play to Jalen Knight, and it gets overturned uh, on replay. Uh, but, you know, second down, you get nine yards. You're looking at third and one from the five. Uh, all of a sudden, you lose a yard. You're looking at fourth and two from the six. Um, I think it was the right choice to take the points. I think if you have that kind of drive and get absolutely nothing out of it, uh, it it just it hurts 
uh, you a little too much there. Uh, but only getting three hurts you too. Uh, defense comes out, gets a really nice stop for you. Uh, and then you have a three and out again with a third and one from your 11 incomplete pass. And then that's going to begin some of the third down play calling questioning. You know, you just had Kamar rush for four yards, rush for five yards on third and one, you throw the ball. Um, and that's going to be a kind of consistent theme throughout looking at some of this, um, Obviously, you know, you're punting from your own 11. It's not one of uh, Buczewski's best punts. TCU starts to drive in plus territory. They get a touchdown. It's 7-3. to three. Um, You look at it again. SMU's next drive to start the second quarter. Moving the ball, you get, uh, you know, you convert a second and two. You get... Um, a really a big run from Jalen on a first and 15 that resets the chains. Uh, you get a big run from Kamar Wheaton on a second and six that resets the chains. Um, but then, you know, first down, you get a three-yard gain on the run. Second and seven, it's a, a five-yard pass that sets up third and two. Unfortunately, Kamar slips on that one. Probably would have gotten the first down if he stays on his feet. He slips. You're looking at fourth and two from the 27. Again, do you kick the field goal? You're looking at 44 yards there. You're probably pushing Colin Rogers' range a little bit. You're also looking, you know, a lot of the decision-making going into that. You go for it. You run the ball, which I think was the right call. I'm not sure. About the play design, um, Jalen Knighton loses five yards. Uh, TCU gets the ball back. Uh, they convert a fourth and three um, during the drive, and then they convert a third and six right before the touchdown. Uh, and there you go. It's 14-3, to three and SMU's trying to play catch-up. They do get the nice touchdown uh, on the next drive again. You know, you just look at what they were able to do, um, you know, it starts with that really big pass play to Roderick Daniels, uh, which was huge. Uh, you had Preston with an 11-yard run, Levine with a 7-yard run, um, and then you have uh, Preston who runs a couple times to get you right there, and Kamar punches it in. 14-10 uh, to 10 at halftime, I don't you know, I, I said this on the, the live feed during the game. It was weird. It was a similar feeling to the Oklahoma game. But in a way, you felt a little bit more positive because you felt like, man, if they could just tweak something here, tweak something there, they're right back in it. Instead, the third quarter's a just downright disaster. Uh, long drive, hold them to field goal. Uh, they, they have two really long drives. You hold them to field goals on both. But offensively, you have a 35-second three-and-out. Um, and then on your other drive, um, it's not a three-and-out, but it's pretty quick. Especially, you know, you had a 27-yard pass uh, in there that got you into TCU territory. Um, you go for it on fourth and two. Uh, and it's a, a pass that gets broken up again. 
You seem to be running the ball pretty well, throwing it fourth and two. I know you got to keep the defense on their toes, um, but the way this team looked to be running the ball, it seemed like that was maybe the way to go. Don't get it. Um, TCU turns around. That time gets a touchdown, um, and the game is pretty much out of hand from there. Um, you know, obviously a lot of stuff about the coaching staff, about the players. Um, I don't think you throw everything out right now. Uh, I think that's a major, major overreaction to just one game. Um, I think it is a reality check of where this team is. I think a lot of people had really high hopes for what this team could do uh, this season. And again, rightfully so. And they can still do all of those things. Um, Would going to Oklahoma or TCU and winning been really great? Of course, obviously. Uh, Was there an expectation realistically from the outside that that was going to happen? I don't think so. Um, I feel like the TCU game was maybe more winnable going into it than the Oklahoma game was. Um, But at the same time, I mean, you're not talking about the the bottom of the the Big 12 here. You're talking about um, a TCU team that, while we don't like it, played for the Big 12 championship a year ago, played for the national championship a year ago. And you're talking about an Oklahoma team that is in year two uh, under a new coach and did a overhaul of their roster that was similar to SMU's but was at a Power 5 level, was at an Oklahoma still kind of carries that blue blood tradition level where they're getting four and five star uh, transfers coming in. Um, So look, you're two and two going into conference play. You look at the conference schedule that you knew was very winnable uh, coming into the season, I think looks even more so now. Uh, I think ECU that you thought was maybe uh, an interesting matchup early, Maybe doesn't look so interesting. I think Temple that you thought, well, maybe if they get some really good quarterback play from Kurt Warner's kid and this goes and that goes, uh, I don't think that's going to be the case. So, I mean, you're looking at at a schedule that opens up really nicely for you. And not only that, but also maybe gives you time to correct some of these issues uh, as you go into maybe the one game on the conference slate that you might worry about, uh, which is that that late trip to Memphis uh, there just before the end of the regular season. Um, so, I mean, look, they're not going to fire the head coach midseason. They're not going to change play-calling duties midseason. Um those type of reactions are for if games are lost that absolutely should not have been lost. In no way, shape, or form was the TCU game a game that should not have been lost. Should it have been closer? Maybe. Um, should SMU have looked a little better? Maybe. But, I mean, look what the defense did. The defense held tough uh, throughout the game against an offense that's probably going to put up a lot of points on a lot of people. Um holding them to field goals. Uh, Obviously, TCU had that one fake field goal attempt that was 
kind of botched from the beginning, but you look at it, Charles Woods intercepted the pass in the end zone. So even if uh, the holder doesn't slip and hit his knee down at the very beginning of it and he's called down, the defense uh, still makes a play there. Um, you know, I think the the touchdown late after SMU had scored, I think you maybe do feel uh, a little better about things uh, maybe uh, if that touchdown doesn't happen. Um, but it's all part of it. You're also looking at a TCU team that uh, has taken some flack from the outside world of putting this series on pause. They wanted to prove something. Uh, I think you still have a coach in Sonny Dykes who wants to prove something. Um, and they were going to go for that last touchdown. I mean, uh, Dykes called timeout cause he wanted them to review, uh, that possible safety late after that. Um, you know, he was going to try and get as many points as they possibly could, uh, in that game. And the defense stood tall and, uh, really, I think executed a lot of things really well. Of course, there were some slip ups. TCU has good players. They're going to make guys miss tackles. They're going to be able to make plays. Um, I think on TCU's first touchdown drive, I think them getting a bunch of yards on a third and long and then converting that fourth down kind of took a little bit of their will away. Um, I think that, uh, you know, their second touchdown was just a really, really well-designed play that they hit on. Um, you know, you look at the touchdown at the end of the third quarter, they were beat and tired. Um, and I'm sure, uh, fatigue had a, a decent bit to do with the last touchdown as well. But you look at what this defense did as a whole, um, and you have to be really pleased and still have to think that this defense is the type of defense that can win you games that are left on your schedule, even if the offense isn't firing, uh, the way we, uh, hoped it would and still think maybe it could uh, as the season progresses and as you maybe get into some of the games that are remaining on the schedule. Um, so I think uh, I understand uh, the reactions to it. I still feel that they are a, a bit of some overreaction to things. Um, I think you are still only four games into the season. Um, you're still early, uh, with a first time head coach, uh, who does call plays. Um, and I think you have to, uh, put on your, your realistic hat with some of those things. But, but trust me, I, uh, I've been a part of the SMU fan base, um, since I was 10 years old. Uh, my first SMU football games were, uh, watched in the Cotton Bowl, I was at the first game in Ford Stadium. Um, I watched basketball games at Old Moody with very few people there. Uh, was a student at SMU covering this football team uh, through a 6-6 six and six season that didn't result in a bowl game. And then back-to-back 1-11 -back seasons. Um, so, so believe me when I say I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, but I also do think you have to take... Uh, oh, a realistic look at, at some of the the things. And I think when you look at the schedule, you say, okay, if this offense, you know, I think you look at the Prairie View A&M game. Now, the conference isn't great and the conference schedule isn't great, but 
the teams are going to be better than Prairie View A&M. But I think if the offense had looked bad against Prairie View A&M, if the defense, you know, I, I think you would have had a lot of uh, realistic concerns. But, you know, they went out. The defense got a shutout. The offense put up 69 points. Um, I mean, you you obviously, the special teams had a touchdown. But, I mean, you, you saw what this offense can be um, in theory uh, a little bit better. So, you know, I think if you see the offense perform like it did against TCU against some of these teams, then you can maybe make those cases. Um, I think as you're just not quite there yet. Um, but I understand them, certainly. I uh, know where they're coming from. And if some things continue, they can be legit arguments. Um but I do think you have to settle in a little bit and uh, take things at face value a little more maybe than where we hope uh, they would be at this point, maybe. Um, let's take a quick break. Uh, don't have much to say after this, uh, but let's pause. Uh, this is the Pony Stampede podcast, and we'll be right back. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Welcome back to the Pony Stampede podcast. Uh, just kind of going to put a final bow on this. Look, if this season finishes at 10 and 2, and SMU is set to host the conference championship game, uh, a lot of people are going to forget some of these issues and maybe some of those things uh, that were a little nitpicky from back on September 23rd in Fort Worth. Um, obviously, there are eight games uh, coming up that have to be won to get you to that point. Um but I think you kind of have to take it game by game. By game. You can't uh, get ahead of yourself with arguments of saying, well, I mean, if they come out flat against so-and-so or if they lose this game and then lose this game, and, um, you know, I think you can make those arguments if those things happen. I don't see those things happening. Um, again, like I mentioned earlier, I think a couple of the possible uh, trip-ups – on this schedule aren't as trippy uh, as we maybe thought they were at the beginning of the season coming into things. Again, those teams can also improve, and you don't want to take anybody for granted, but the only game looking at the schedule that I think you say, man, this is one that they've got to get up for and they've got to show show you something for is that game at Memphis. Um, you know, there's nobody else on this schedule right now that's really – looking like they should give this team a hard time. And again, I think you've got a defense that the defense will play. Um, if the and if the offense isn't uh, doing necessarily what it needs to do, this defense is certainly one uh, that is built for this type of schedule. Uh, so let's not uh, let's not take away anybody's uh, coaching jobs, coaching duties, uh, any players starting positions. Um, you know, I, I understand a lot of things. I think uh, if you want to uh, 
uh, only look at the bad, you can certainly do that, and you can certainly want some big-time changes, some big-time overhauls. But, you know, I think if you look at the the positives from that TCU game, I think you really see a defense that uh, continues to be uh, a vast improvement over some things a year ago. Yes, they're still going to have some hiccups. Yes, really, really, really good teams like Oklahoma and TCU are still going to be able to make plays against this defense. Um, but there aren't any of those left on the schedule. Uh, I think you see uh, from a scheme-wise, they look better. From a talent-wise, obviously, they look better. Depth-wise, they look better. Uh, and just uh, a lot of fundamental things that look better. Yes, there are still going to be missed tackles. Um, good players make you miss tackles. Um, again, you're not going to see that moving forward. Um, I think a really big bright spot, Kamar Wheaton. Uh, the last couple of weeks has had an opportunity to do something uh, in games and has certainly made the most of those opportunities. Uh, obviously, the Prairie View A&M game with uh, Jalen and Velton being out and LJ getting hurt early in that one uh, gets the start in the land share of the carries. Uh, and then this week with LJ being hurt, um, even with Jalen back, uh, Kamar still starts, still takes the bulk of the carries, gets the touchdown. Um, I think that's a massive positive moving forward uh, for this group because I do think there is a ton of talent there uh, in Kamar Wheaton if he can just sort out some of that off-the-field stuff um, and to be able to both Preston and uh, Isaiah Wachobia, who both have known uh, Kamar Wheaton for a very long time, just talked about uh, kind of seeing that joy in playing the game he loves again. Um, and so I think if you get uh, a Kamar Wheaton who's not worried about all of the outside stuff and can just step on the field and play some football, uh, that is a big plus for this team moving forward uh, in the run game. Um, you know, that has kind of sputtered a little bit. Um, hopefully they get LJ back soon. Um, hopefully Jalen can kind of get going uh, a little more. Uh, like what was expected coming into the season. But if you've got Kamar Wheaton there that can be your consistent guy, which I think was maybe a little unexpected with what was brought in, uh, that's only a positive for this team. Uh, I do have um, a new story up on PonyStampede.com about some of the offensive struggles uh, it's got Coach Lashley talking about some things. Uh, it calls back and expands on a Jake Bailey quote from after the Oklahoma game. Uh, it's got a, a couple thoughts from Preston Stone after the TCU game uh, as it kind of looks at some of those things as far as play calling and execution and uh, some personnel things uh, that I think whether – you like it or not, maybe put some things into a different perspective a little bit. Um, obviously, uh, don't have all the answers. That's for the coaching staff that is with these guys uh, every day and that you know is at the full practices and is seeing what these guys are doing on a daily basis if they want to make some changes at uh, personnel spots or if um, or you know how much 
they can change regarding the uh, playbook and play call and the way they go about things. But um, I do think uh, there are some quotes by Lashley that show that he's maybe open to some of those things. So, uh, you know, I wrote it, so I definitely think it's worth a read. But um, I do think it uh, gives some perspective and sheds some lights on things and maybe answers some questions and uh, maybe shows kind of where uh, the staff kind of sees things on this offense right now as it tries to get to the level we all hoped it would be. Um, as always, we will talk to uh, offensive coordinator Casey Woods and defensive coordinator Scott Simons, uh, along with head coach Rhett Lashley, and uh, some players during the week uh, to get you ready for Saturday's conference opener against Charlotte. Uh, that will kick off at 6.30 p.m. from Ford Stadium. Um I will be back on uh, after talking to those guys, after looking up Charlotte a little bit uh, to give you some of my perspective on the game and some things. As, uh, like I said in the last one, uh, we're going to be a little bit more uh, consistent uh, on these Pony Stampede podcasts. And by we, I 100% mean me. Uh, So thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for sticking with it. Uh, We will be here next time. And until then, pony up.